Time. Praise the, the Lord. Lord. It's chat time again. Yes, praise the Lord. It's chat time again. Now, this week we will continue to discuss current events and scripture. Praise the Lord. So, it's time for our little phrase of the week. So, did you ever wonder where this phrase came from? The haves and the have nots? I've heard of that before. And that comes from Matthew chapter 13, verse 12. And it reads, for whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. So remember that. <laughs> you know, I know uh, this is Christmas, so Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, I wanted to talk about salvation, continue about receiving the Holy Spirit and stuff. But since it's Christmas, I want to kind of deviate from that. And I know last week we talked about um, a, a after school Satan club, <laughs> you know. And so somebody sent me this article, and it talks about that, that the Satanic Temple co-founder compares his after-school Satan club to evangelical programs. And he, he denies that the club's aim is to convert people to Satanism. So the, co the founder of this controversial club is comparing his reactions to the program 
with that of parents who oppose evangelical programs at school. Lucian Greaves is the co-founder of the Satanic Temple. He made the comment during an interview on Fox News in which he said that his club, After School Satan Club, isn't about making converts to Satanism. He, he said it's, a, it's aimed at promoting freedom of speech, religious liberty, and uh, when he described Satan, well, he corrected the, the uh, moderator of the Fox News program mm -hmm. when he described Satan as evil and appeared to call Christianity mythology. Obviously, we don't view Satan as evil, said this guy who founded the mm -hmm. uh, Satanic Temple. And it really doesn't matter to us what your mythology is surrounding Satan. You need to ask yourself if your distaste over us identifying as Satanists is strong enough that you would abandon the principles of free speech and religious liberty. Of course, they haven't. I mean... The school has given them the opportunity to have the club. It's just that it is so important to educate your children because once they go out there, they're going to run into all kinds of nonsense. And the, the best way to protect them is to prepare them so that they don't uh, fall for these types of organizations or mindsets or you know, uh, groomers or whatever is out there that's contrary to the word of God. You have to teach your children at home because by the time I went to school, it didn't matter what the people said. What, 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 what I was taught as far as the Lord and as far as, as faith and as far as worship, that, that trumped anything that they could tell me at school. It couldn't shake my faith because there was such a strong foundation at home. And that's what parents have to do because they're going to run into all kinds of people out there. Well, there, you know how they advertise it. There's a logo for this um, after-school uh, Satan Club, and it's got a picture of a paintbrush on top, and then it says, after-school Satan, with a crayon below it. Uh -huh. You know, so uh, he says that the program is self-directed education and is designed to stir students' intellectual and creative interests. Is that creative interests that <laughs> I will be wondering you about. Know, the creative yeah. interests is, I mean, they, when you're at that age, you have a, plenty of creative Right, but I'm wondering what, what they're trying to. And it might be going to, in the wrong direction. Right. Yeah, I just you just want your children to have to be established enough that they wouldn't even be curious about some nonsense like that. Well, I guess in November, Golden Hills Elementary School in uh, California decided they were going to start meeting in December for, with this after-school Satan club. Mm. And um, so in a statement to the Christian Post, that school district noted that the district is prohibited by law from discriminating against groups wanting to use its facilities or distribute flyers based on viewpoint. Yeah, but you know, I still, to me, not trying to violate anybody's amendments or anything, where do you draw the line, you know? Because I just could see the, the Molek club for, for Molek, and then, you know, we talked about human sacrifice of babies. I mean, where, where do you draw the line? Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, uh, I ran across this article about um, 
that movie, San, the Santa Clauses, that 2022, that new movie that came out, it's a three-part comedy created by U.S. Pro producer Jack Burdett. And uh, it's, it, comes, it came out on Disney Plus. It's a Christmas miniseries. And what surprised me mm -hmm. is that it, you can find it on Twitter. You can find it on some social media um, mm -hmm. uh, platforms. But um, I think they, for the most part, it was taken down. Why? Bec uh, so I w found a screenshot of a, where in the middle of, of this, I think it's the third scene, mm -hmm. there's a group of children holding up uh, letters, play, placards mm -hmm. with a letter of the alphabet. And then they go running around and they stand in formation where the placards read, we love you, Satan. Oh, really? And what it was supposed to say is we love you santa <laughs> i think i think they meant for it to say satan they were just probably hoping i think so no, too so there would be no backlash that's probably what they were hoping they said the satan message was a joke uh, the complete scene shows children rearranging the letters to spell santa correctly yeah but nah. That's in poor taste, considering that Christmas is about the, the Lord. Right. The full version of the scene shows the children's formation was intended as a joke. Tim Allen's character, Santa Claus, is seen asking the children to check their spelling before rearranging the message to read, We Love You, Santa. So I don't know. I didn't, I don't see, I didn't watch the program. I don't know anything about it, the new movie. Yeah, they put that in there. Um, hmm. but you know, all over the internet, you can see that Dis Disney is saying that, no, we, we are not promoting Satan. No, we're not. Yeah, you know. but they should not have even allowed that. That's stupid. You know, I mean, it didn't, it didn't help the story. It wasn't like it added to the story. It detracted from it. So they never should have done it to begin with. So here's an article from CBN News, and you know, I don't know why, it was on CBN News and I found it on Christian News Headlines, and, and I found it uh, silly, actually, to put this article on a Christian website. Um, and it, it talks about Santa knows sign language and brings Christmas cheer to deaf children in DC and the kids say he's real. And I'm thinking to myself, what does that, I mean, because it has, Santa has, I mean, I know that's, I mean, Christmas isn't about Santa Claus. Right, not unless you basically are secular, then that's, that's all about Santa Claus. But if you're trying to acknowledge the Lord and give the Lord the glory and the honor, Santa Claus has, has no place. So when you're as well-traveled, this article says from CBN News, when you're as well-traveled as Santa Claus, you can speak every language on earth, even sign language. And this allows all children to have a memorable experience of meeting St. Nick and telling him exactly what they want for Christmas. Charles Graves is one of Santa's helpers and one of the few of the country's deaf Santas. He communicates with deaf children using American Sign Language. And... Uh, 
he works as a residential counselor at the Texas School for the Deaf, where he's helped kids like him for more than two decades. He realized a few years ago that he could fill in on the familiar red suit in, trimmed in white, so he started the tradition of seasonal transition to looking like Kris Kringle to help deaf children experience the true spirit of Christmas. Uh, that's the true spirit. But you know, have you ever noticed like when, say siblings are born so close together, and so the parents, in order to save money, they give one birthday party for both children, even though technically they still should have their own special day. And I'm thinking it should be a day for Santa Claus for those who acknowledge Santa Claus. And there should be a separate day for the Lord. For the Lord, right. we shouldn't be trying to combine you know, Santa and the Lord. Right. It's like oil and water. So there's a man by the name of Franklin Torres, another parent of a drug child, and he explained to the, that his son's previous visits to Santa at the local mall were always missing something: direct communication with the man himself. When that Santa found. His eight-year-old son was deaf. He would just give a wave, a thumbs up, and a pat on the back. But having a deaf Santa changes that, said the mom. It's the magic of Christmas for our kids. When asked if the Santa was real, Ramon, which is a child, lied. replied, yes, he's real. <laughs> yeah, they just lied to him. You know, it's not, it's just not healthy. Anyway, I found that ironic that it's on a, a yeah. Christian web, several Christian right. websites. When but but it, it's, it's not good just to teach a child to lie. It's just, you know, you should come right out with the know that this is it's pure mythology. Eight. Yeah, it's, it's fantasy. You know, considering that the jolly old Saint Nick wasn't really uh, <laughs> grafted in, or he wasn't even presented as a character or figure until like what 19 hmm. early 1900s late and 1800s. It, it, you know when i was looking up different things i found out that saint nick and and chris kringle and santa claus they're they're not all the same right they were they came up at different times mm -hmm. uh, of the centuries and and they were in fact <laughs> That's one thing I know is. And they did different things. So, yeah. so now what I want to talk about is busting Christmas myths. Okay. You know, so you probably have been lied to about Christmas. Many of the most cherished parts of Christmas story are not historical facts and turn out to be nothing more than a myth. And right. so uh, does uh, it matter that these stories are myths? What, what stories are you talking about? Well... There was no star at the birth of Jesus. So your nativity scene on the mantle probably has a star at the top of the stable. The story of the star is an integral part of the Christmas story. It shines brightly as a beacon for all those coming to see the birth of the King of Kings. When Jesus was born, the shepherds weren't looking for a star. They were looking for a baby laying in a manger. And that tells you that in Luke chapter 2, verse 12. And this sign shall be, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. After Jesus was born, it was the wise men who followed the star in the but, Bible. But not to the stables. They, and they followed the star and came to the house. Right. So you can read that in 
Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. And it says, when they, heard the, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary and fell down and worshipped him. Right. And so I was very surprised that it, the, it was the wise men who followed the star and the wise men visited Jesus, the child, at a house. Right. And it was the shepherds that went to town inquiring about a child wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. That was their sign. So the next myth is the wise men arrived much, much later. Following the star must have taken a long time because the wise men didn't get there at the same time the rest of the party got there, like the shepherds. Right, because the said they came from the east, and that's why when Herod ordered the slaying of the children, they were from like newborn up until like two years, two old. years old. So we don't know exactly how long right. the journey was, but we knew it took a couple of years. Right, and we knew that two years at least probably had, had transpired from the time and, the prophecy came forward. And they didn't come searching until after Jesus was born. Mm -hmm. So you read in Matthew chapter 2, the first two verses say, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is, bo that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. And are come to worship him. So they did see a star, you know, that guided them. So it guided them all the way from the Orient. When they say the East, a lot of people portray them as being Asian, which is possible. So from the time they saw the star, they guided them all the way from the East to where they were in Jerusalem, you know, in the house. So they might have taken a good year. If not more. Uh, probably more. Yeah. My goodness. Right. I mean, they were walking in, or they were oh, riding on camels and they were, you know. Uh, horses or donkeys. And you or, figure it had to be, you know, they had to go through certain seasons, so no telling. At least a year. So it says some scholars believe that the visit from the wise men was very timely, that their gifts gave, that they gave Jesus' family uh was enough wealth to fund their escape to Egypt when the Magi, which are also called wise men, left the house, God spoke to Joseph in a dream telling them to get going. Herod issued a decree to kill all boys two years and under in Bethlehem and all around. And we can assume that uh, from this that when the wise men visit with their gifts, Jesus could have been between one or two years of age. Right. Now, you know, what I'm thinking, too, is that the Lord could have just overshadowed them so that they wouldn't have been found. He could have covered them in that sense, and they could have been where they were, but the Lord didn't do that. He told them, you're going to have to go. You're going to have to flee. You know, so sometimes you wonder, you know, because I've heard people say God could have done this. God could have stopped that. God could have prevented this. God, God could have done a lot of things, but there's a reason why he didn't, because he didn't. Mm -hmm. 
So we don't know how many wise men there were. And when I got to this one, I'm thinking, I always thought that there were three wise men, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I don't know, maybe I thought that because of the, the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't Not know. Not me, because somewhere in the Old Testament, they mentioned something along the line of three uh, witnesses, men, or something to that effect, as if it was prophecy, but I forget where and what book. I have to find it. So, you know, you got that Christmas carol that says, we three kings of Orient are, Mm -hmm. you know, there there, there were three gifts, but were there three wise men? There could have been three, there could have been 23. Either way, we, we know that they didn't make it in time to see Jesus in the stable. Right. Well, so now it says in Matthew chapter two, Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men. There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, Now, they're not naming. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Inquired of them diligently at what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. So that brings us to the next myth. We know the story. There was no room at the inn. So we all say that he was born in a stable. Luke 2, chapter 7 says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger Mm -hmm. because there was no room for them in the inn. Right. The Bible doesn't say a stable. Well, I guess the manger wouldn't be in the middle of the street. Where do you find mangers? You find them in a stable. I don't know. Oh, yeah. And Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. Maybe he was, but it's just a guess. And throughout history, various theories of... I, don't, I, I just think that what they did was they celebrated his birth because it was convenient with the pagan holiday, just like they do with Easter. It was convenient, and they just merged it with a, a, a pagan holiday. I don't believe it was the 25th either. But if you designate a day to set aside to worship the Lord and honor his birth, and that's, that's what you should do. Yeah. That's that's kind of odd. Like if you, you if someone have a birthday, and then the birthday person is not celebrating, but everybody else is getting gifts. Right. People exchanging gifts among themselves, but not to not to the birthday person. Right. What do you bring the Lord? And then it wasn't a silent night. 
you know, like the song Christmas Carol says, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all mm -hmm. is bright. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it paints a beautiful picture, <clears throat> but that was a time where everybody was going to pay, you know, they were arriving for the census. Right, I imagine it was and crowded. And there was no room at the end? Yeah, but so doesn't mean that the night wasn't quiet. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't mean that people say, oh, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I how do, how do they know what it was like, you know? <laughs> like, they, like they were there. Uh, well, anyway, uh, Christmas trees have not, have always been a part of Christmas, and that's not true. Christmas trees... Uh, do not mean Jesus. Right. Evergreen trees were already popular in the pagan rites before Jesus' birth, but they didn't become a widely held symbol of Christmas until the Renaissance. German Protestants began bringing home and decorating large trees that grew in their forests, and the custom spread throughout um, Germany, and then it jumped to England, and then to Britain, and then to America, and then it goes on and on from there. Mm -hmm. And then the Christmas is the most important holiday in Christianity. Well, I don't know. I guess it's... A, a, I don't know. I, I think, don't know. I'm, I think the uh, Passover. Easter Passover mm -hmm. is probably the most important holy day. Right. Christmas has I mean, become, I know Jesus was born, but right, the most important was right, the, the fact over. that Jesus died for our sins. Right, because he told us to remember that. And then one last quick one. You know, I, 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 I didn't hear this until, I don't know, I, when I was young, I never heard this about the Christmas pickle. Put a pickle ornament on your Christmas tree and you're going to have good luck. That almost sounds obscene. <laughs> I never heard of that until. Uh, and then the next one, to find the child to find the pickle ornament, got an extra gift from St. Nicholas. No. You know, I never it, heard of that either. No. It started in Germany, and that also is a myth. It, 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 I don't know where this came from. You know, Christmas Eve is the day German kids normally open their presents, not on Christmas Day. Um, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. But they, but they produce all those glass pickle ornaments, you know. Really? Think, yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Anyway, that wraps it up for this program. I'm praying that everybody have a blessed Christmas. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. This week's verse of the day comes from 1 John chapter 4 and 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now, ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was... When Peter said to the lame man sitting at the gate of the temple, beautiful, he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. How did Peter lift up the lame man? And the answer is, he took him by the right hand. And that answer can be found in Acts chapter 3, verses 6 to 7. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. 
In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. This week's food for thought is, who was told that he should not see death before he saw Jesus? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.